Chapter 10. Down for the Count. Commences with a quote by William Bruce Cameron. Not everything that counts can be counted, and not everything that can be counted counts. I tell my boys that if they ever find themselves in the midst of a fight, or being attacked, they need only to remember three things. One, God has given you a keen mind and a mouth, so do all you can to use carefully chosen words to bring about peace. Two, if words don't work, God has given you two good legs to quickly get you away from the trouble. And three, if you're caught, then the gloves are off, and you must do anything you can to defend yourself. When I was in my teens, I had a friend named Steve. He had grown up in a home where fighting wasn't discouraged. In fact, it was probably encouraged. We used to say that Steve could hit you so hard and fast that you'd think you were surrounded. I only saw it happen once, but that was enough to remind me to stay his friend. Steve quickly got on our invitational A-list if we were having a night out on the town or were travelling through another school's territory. I always felt more secure with Steve by my side. 3,000 years ago, King David had his own team of Steves. 37 of them, in fact. They had cool World Wrestling Federation-style names like Adino the Esnite and Eliezer, son of Dodo. In 2 Samuel 23, we read about some of their fights and how Adino could single-handedly kill up to 800 men at a time. The chapter is written in a way that makes us think that this handful of guys alone were quite capable of being David's entire fighting force. One day, three of them fought their way through the Philistine army lines, and back again, just to get David a drink. Late in his life, David, like Samuel, was able to say, Ebenezer, thus far the Lord has helped us. Even though he had mighty men of war, David knew in his heart that it was actually God who had blessed and protected Israel. Sadly, the blessings of success had also brought their curses to Israel. David and many of his people had become ambitious, self-confident and proud. They began to want to compare themselves with the neighbouring nations so that, wherever possible, they could show their superiority. To fan this ambition, David ordered a national census, a counting of all his men of fighting age. It was an ambitious plan by an ambitious man, and the final count came in at well over a million. David wanted to count his armed men as it would increase national pride and give everyone a real feeling of security. He seemed to have forgotten the military miracles God had already performed on his behalf, regardless of the number or ability of his army at the time. He was now falling back on his very human desire to count, touch and see his security. Oh, how I can relate to that. You've probably got a spreadsheet or two yourself, right? But Jesus never advised me to count my assets or increase my wealth as a way of finding security. He did very clearly tell me to count something though, just not my net worth, my retirement savings or my rainy day bank account balance. He told me to count the cost, the real cost of truly following him. In Luke 14, Christ told the parable of the great feast. He explained that many of God's invited guests will be too busy with their real estate, their cows or their marriages to enter his kingdom. Sound familiar? God's A-list of invitees has been blessed with real estate, assets and relationships. But from an eternal perspective, 
they had allowed their blessings to become curses. Immediately after telling this story, Jesus gives one of the most sobering discourses in all his ministry. He pulls no punches as he explains the real cost of following him. Christ tells us that discipleship is a decision that can cost us our relationships with our parents, siblings, spouse, and children. Following him can cost us our lives, regardless of whether we actually die or continue living. He says that we must hate our own lives or we cannot be his disciples. Yikes! Jesus tells his listeners that they must forsake all that they have if they want to follow him. I need to seriously count the cost of following Christ. Am I truly ready to forsake all to be his disciple? And what does that actually mean? How much do I want to attend his ultimate great feast? After ordering his headcount, King David quickly realised his sin of ambition and his lack of faith in his all-providing Jehovah-Jireh God, and he repented. Where are you at in David's journey? Are you counting false securities? Or are you counting the cost? Be honest. Don't pull any punches. What are you counting?